I started from nothing Never knew where my next meal was coming But I transform my life I stay one step ahead Mindset of disruption I own the edge This is a drill cast Where I bring the wisdom you need Everyone is selling knowledge I get mine away for free I'm as real as it gets You either love or hate me Best believe I'm Major League Bill Hines That's me This is the drill cast Hey, on this week of uh, the Thrill Cast, we have a good friend and fellow race car driver, uh, Bert Jenner. Uh, Bert is coming to us live via uh, Zoom from somewhere on the West Coast, uh, disclose, uh, uh, location TBD, or we won't disclose his location, I guess. So, Bert, how you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there, my man. About 30 minutes ago, I got uh, I got real excited. And I don't know why, because uh, I I don't want to say I despise these formats, but uh, yeah. I hate talking about myself. But uh, yeah, I got excited because uh, just to be that much closer back to my SST family and uh, it just kind of felt good. It just felt like, you know, for, a, for an hour here or whatever we end up talking for, um, I got to go back to being a race car driver. And, uh, and that's predominantly... Wasn't- what we want to talk to you about, um, you know, and obviously your dogs and your puppies and stuff like that and uh, your beautiful family. But uh, didn't the producer tell you this is a five-hour podcast? So <laughs> it's like an endurance race. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Well, you'll get four hours of mumbling and, uh, <laughs> and me repeating myself, and you'll get an hour of footage, you know. We'll just um, put your kids on, and your wife can come on and start talking. But, yeah, so um, – Let's tell everyone, let's go just back from the beginning. And, um, and, and I don't mean the beginning from when you were born, but tell everyone, because it's an interesting story. So at one point, you know, you were homeless and you were living in a Bronco, not the white OJ Bronco, but a Bronco, you know, a maroon and gold Bronco a maroon yeah. and go- that you still have to this day. You will not of sell course. it. Like it's, it's like, you'll have to die before you'll sell that one. And, yeah. uh, but tell me like how you you started in like video games, racing on video games, and then you you did that Octane Academy thing. It's like, well, racing on video games. So most people don't realize um, most of my race car experience, uh, with the exception of karting, and you know I was a Formula driver in mm-hmm. the Skip Barber series for a while. But most of my experience behind the wheel comes on a simulator, and most people know it now as the iRacing simulator, but um, but back then it was Pyrus and it was the NASCAR platform. And um, I started my own series. I had hopes to basically, I thought the simulators were good enough that I believe that talent would transfer over into the real world. And you could take that talent and actually put it in a real car and pursue a racing career. So I had a series that was called Pros, it stood for Professional Racing Online Series. And um, we gave away $50,000 prize money in the championship and then whoever won we flew you out to the north uh west there was a a local uh you know late model series up there we put you in a real car and tried to start you know a racing career for you and um after a couple seasons that uh my father who i thought who thought i was crazy was uh, at the uh, golf course with um just so happened to be in his foursome the head of programming for speed tv 
Yep. Um, and uh, after asking my dad, you know, so what are all your kids doing and all this stuff? My dad said, hey, you know what? I have this one crazy son who has this racing idea and he thinks he's about ready to buy infomercial time in the middle of the night on your TV channel. And that just, the guy turned around and told him, well, that's genius. And uh, anyway, I got a meeting. We eventually partnered uh, with Universal. Uh, we approached NASCAR and got ungodly close to, you know, now iRacing is like the fourth level racing. If you go look on the NASCAR uh, website, yeah. we got ungodly close to being that that series uh, years before um, we failed because of contract negotiations. Basically, EA Sports, the biggest video game company in the world, had bought the rights to the NASCAR name, which, you know, kind of closed the door on me. They built a video game and not a simulator and they didn't want to reinvest uh, in development. So all my little idea just kind of fell apart there. But um, I was close to being the simulator racing god and people don't realize how many hours and years I spent behind a wheel on a simulator. You and, were uh, uh, you were ahead of your time. Just think if COVID happened during uh, your time back then, <laughs> it would have been. Yeah, I. Um, it's frustrating to know how close I got and walked away with nothing. But, but yeah, after that, um, I was just kind of dead in the hole. And uh, my dad has never been one to support me financially, um, and my mom wouldn't either. So. I kind of went through a weird period there where I was just kind of lost. I was a bouncer at a tequila bar um, and a motorcycle courier delivering packages here um, through the city streets of LA and, and uh, traffic so, and living uh, in the back of my Bronco. So not to interrupt you, but you did mention your dad. So for the listeners that don't know who Burt Jenner's dad is, can you explain, you know, who your dad is so that they know? Because some people would say, well, why would his dad, why would he expect his dad to financially support him? Which you didn't. So, um, my dad is Caitlyn Jenner. Okay. <laughs> you know, for, I former. probably don't look like it. I know I probably don't look like Kendall and Kylie. Former, former, so formerly Bruce Jenner, the Olympic yep. athlete and yep. gold medalist champion. And your sisters are, and brothers and are what, Kate, Kylie and... Kendall? Kendall, Kylie, Brandon, and Brody. And uh, my only full blood is Casey. And Casey. so we share the same mom. Um, all my other siblings, we have different moms, but same okay. dad. Okay. Okay. And uh, to give you my family lineage, I know it gets complicated. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I was uh, kind of homeless there for a little bit and uh, wandering through life. Went to a dog park because I didn't have a couch to hang out on. And uh, my dog, and I was living in my car with my dog. And so I would go to the dog park to hang out. And um, small talk with the dog walkers there led me to, you know, how much do you charge? And it was 30 bucks. And she got offended because I asked how much per dog per day. And it was 30 bucks per dog per day. And I kind of looked down going, you're making 150 bucks to sit here for 45 minutes on your cell phone? And um, she was horrible with dogs. And that just kind of spawned the idea that, look, man, I'm over here wrestling drunk idiots in the middle of the night and I'm not making $150. And yeah. I could be hanging out on a dog bench and making $150 for the day and hanging out for 45 minutes. And so I pursued that goal. And here we are um, 15 years later and I have 
pretty much the dog biggest dog boarding facility and daycare facility, whatever grooming uh, in Los Angeles. And I'm in the process of opening my second facility. So. Yeah. So most people don't know, or people that do know, but uh, uh, Bert is the founder and owner of West LA Dogs, and it is the premier. Uh, he gave me a tour of it, and literally, if if you're out in the California area in that area, and you need to board or house your dog somewhere for if you're going on vacation, I mean, there's some actors and actresses that leave their dog with Bert for months at a time, whether they're off in Australia or wherever, uh, filming, uh, you know, movies or what have you. And I'm telling you, like when the owner comes back, they don't want to leave because. Valerie and Bert, you know, his wife, Alan, they take care of the dogs better than the owners. And, uh, yeah, so West L.A. Dogs, if you're out there, it, it is like a palatial palace for dogs. It's amazing. I, I was so impressed. Are you able to say some really famous dogs that you take care of? I don't think you would. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll just start by saying it seems like we literally have – I mean, I'm so bad and so tuned out that I don't know who the majority of these people are. But yeah, you know, my my um, my coworkers will say to me all the time, like, "Don't you know who that is?" <laughs> no, I don't. Bert, don't care. I'm embarrassed yeah. to say that, but um, yeah, we have a lot of telenovela stars. It seems like we have almost all of them. And um, what is that? You know, <laughs> exactly the the, the Spanish speaking channel. Oh, okay. Like, Every high-ranking actor or actress of yeah. a telenovela, it just or any of the Spanish <clears throat> movies or any of that kind of stuff. For whatever reason, there was one of their biggest stars came to us years ago, and it just seemed like every um, Spanish-speaking actor or actress in Los Angeles was quick to follow that one. And, and your we mom have, and dad and uh, sisters and brothers give their dogs to you when they need to go away. Uh, for free yeah Yeah. that's the only free work i do you know um and uh that's i'll end that there but yes i get a lot of free (laughs) requests from family all the time and uh, can you take care of my friends dogs and my friends friends dogs and which ends up being half of los angeles but yeah, they don't um, understand how much food costs and employees right, to take and, care of you know, that. some of these dogs are knuckleheads and you know it it takes some work but um it's a good business uh something i'm very proud of because uh i was able to start it with nothing and yeah. uh kind and of grow top so yeah yeah i'm always impressed of how you and your employees they you know when i went there it's like they were so kind to the dogs and to you know all of you know, the animals it's, and that's what it's about. And more importantly than that, even you, you guys are, you know, advocates for like, you know, or I say, or against like the, 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 the shelters that kill dogs. So you're like into, you know, helping out no kill shelters and, and advocating for adoption and against, uh, you know, all the different uh, breeders that are bad in this world, you know? So, I mean, how many dogs do you personally own yourself? Right now. Uh, for now, right. I just unfortunately had put my like closest dog, the dog that slept under the covers with me for the past 10 years, uh, had put him down. Oh, uh, really? 14 years old. So I'm now down from five to four. Which one was that? Happy. Happy. You, oh, yeah. God. So that was rough. But uh, a few months in here, trying to pick my next victim, one of my four dogs got to spend the night sleeping under the covers with me. It is what what is Mar- Margarita Del Rey is, isn't that doing? Yeah, Margarita. 
Yeah. Uh, she would be next in line, but you know, she has her spinal her injury. Spinal so, injury. Yeah. She has a hard time holding it. Uh, yeah. so I don't want to be waking up, you know, with a bed full of piss and shit. If I can be, uh, brutally yeah, honest wanted, there. If you wanted that, that was your younger days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So, okay. Um, and, uh, take us to now, like how you got involved. How did I go from homeless to racing? How did you, okay, so you're starting your business and you're just like, you know what? And, and it, most people don't know, but you know, Caitlin was an amazing race car driver. Phenomenal. And it loves, that's how I got the bug. So that's, so, you know, obviously all your brothers and sisters, they do different things, but the one key connection that you have, and you're the oldest Jenner, that key connection is the love of racing from your dad. And right. it's interesting, your dad and you were uh, on an endurance race together against me and Alex Prema. And, uh, I mean, we beat you that race. but didn't No, I you didn't. Yeah, we did. I got a picture. I'm going to post a picture. Yeah, and I've got the updated results. There's It's uh, very, very clear. As much yeah. as I love you, we've yeah. gone enough years now that we can settle this right here, right now. The picture so, on the podium. The Everybody started the race. He, They very clearly had more speed than us. And so very early on, I That's knew that we were you have were, to do you something. Were, you were holding your dad back. Just kidding. <laughs> Just getting that out. So we were going to have to do something funky to get some speed. And so I realized the only way to do that was going to be to pit out of sequence. Okay. So when, and that worked for us because we got lucky and there was, you know, a wreck halfway through and they threw the yellow. And so we were able to get all our track position back. Um, and <laughs> anyway, there are all these mandatory rules they had, but yeah. I, I still stand by the fact that we got our track position back and, we essentially got a lap out of it, and that was something that you guys weren't able to uh, overcome there in the end. But I don't uh, know. The picture has me and Alex on the podium as in one. This is true. I'll but let, in, fa in fairness, in the other weekends that we had that you and your dad raced when it was the solo races, you won those races. Uh, I don't know who came in second, but I know your dad came in third a couple times. So how was it? We'll get to the Octane Academy because we're on this in a minute. But how cool was it that you raced in an actual solo race against your father and you – and I asked this to Matt. Well, well Matt Brabham wasn't able to do it, but like say Nash Morris and Paul Morris, you know, you know things like that and – uh, or Marco and Michael Andretti, they raced against each other. So how was it that, that you know, one, you beat your dad, and uh, two, that you were able to race and stand on the podium? Like, there were two Jenners on the podium there. And, you know, I always say it to you guys, you know, that Jenners are just champions, you know? Um, it, total trippy experience. So, you know, my dad drove for Ford and Jack Roush. Uh, my dad's teammate was Scott Pruitt. Yeah. Um, no slouches in uh in racing and so m my dad's ego has always been you know up there but as far as racing was concerned you know my dad had taken me to the go-kart track when i was like seven to nine years old and it sat on the sign lights with stopwatch and would just literally hold up a couple fingers meaning you know the tenths you know 24.3 or 24.1 or whatever it was and so I would know whatever tenths of a second I had come by on that lap. But other than that, um, that was it. And, you know, my father remarried and that was the extent of what my father had done in helping me in racing was literally just kind of te teaching me what an apex was before I was 10 years old. 
I spent enough time in Jack Roush's pit that I fell in love with racing. Yeah. Um, but I fell in love to be totally honest with Scott Pruitt kicking everybody's ass. And yeah, um, he did. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he's, you know, one of the, the greats of my time and, um, and someone I'll always look up to probably yeah. above anybody else. But there was always this argument, you know, that I had kind of continued in my own racing endeavors, taking myself to the go-kart track um, when I was finally 16 and I could drive myself um, and really went after the racing thing. And it was something I wanted to pursue as a career. And my father never showed up to one of those races. So my father had no idea how much of a passion I had, uh, what my talent was at, um, how good you are. Just nothing. Yeah. He just really didn't. And, you know, in, in fairness, um, my karting career wasn't necessarily the best. I'm six foot tall, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm 200 pounds. I'm, you know, I'm a big guy and, and we don't do good in karting. Um, so I quickly realized I was wasting all my money, kind of pulled it all together and went for the formula car series, skip barber and instantly won the first two races and, and found myself up against, you know, the national champion carters who were all sponsored doing this yeah. stuff. And I was walking away with the wins, but you know, that mean led me to go back to my dad going, Hey, uh, I've got some talent here. <laughs> Can I get some help? No. And, uh, dad still never came to a race, still never helped me out. So, uh, yeah, if we skip through Octane Academy and all that and yeah. fast forward to that experience, which you helped us out with and for which I will ever, you know, forever be grateful. Uh, yeah, that was a trippy experience. It was obviously something I wanted to do and share with my dad for a long time, but the reality well, you guys was, did it. You guys did it I a couple a lot of times. To prove. You guys did it. You guys did it a couple times. Like, I mean, Caitlin came back, I think, two or three times to the races. You know, oh, my, obviously, yeah. My dad loves it, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it doesn't. You know, time doesn't uh, doesn't. I don't think cure that itch. Uh, yeah. It just slows you down a little bit around the track, but you still have that same love and passion. And my dad actually. Your dad just posted a YouTube video, and I, I actually enjoy watching your dad's, like, now your dad's doing these YouTube videos. You probably don't even know about it. <laughs> no, I've watched a few. I was I was so, nervous in the beginning yeah. for this new channel, but I've I realized, uh, thank God for Sophia, you know, yeah. cutting uh, my dad down to size and yeah. and keeping my dad honest. So, so uh, the, the one is with, uh, she basically says, hey, look at my garage. And, you know, obviously that's the coolest thing. And she's like, hey, I almost lost this house to the fire and showed a picture of it. And it was and I know you went out there to help like you rushed there to help your dad, which to me, I was like, you know, say what you want to say and everything. But that's a son that loves his dad. And um, or that garage. I was just (laughs) literally drove down the bottom of the hill and evacuated yeah. With everybody in an, a 2018 yeah. Escalade or Escalade, something. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, you left the Porsche up there and the yeah. MG, and I just was like, the bug oh eye. Yeah. So that was so cool to see the bug eye, which is a cool car. The Porsche, which, you know, your dad always gets the coolest, fastest Porsche, like always delivered first. So um she definitely has that connection to porsche obviously i wonder why i guess olympic gold medal kind of puts you on the top of some lists but um yeah so it was cool to see that because it's like yeah that's where burke gets that love of racing for again it's that and it's so cool to see like honestly i don't have any type of memory 
of my father. My father left when I was three. So I don't have, even with my mom, like there's nothing I share in common that I can say is like, oh yeah, I like that. I mean, I don't know. I guess I could say, yeah, I like Italian food because my mom <laughs> likes Italian food and my mom's Italian. But other than that, it was it, it was special to see you and her at the track together. And um, and even like when I, I – shit, when Marco Andretti put it on pole at the Indy 500, you, you could look at Michael and Mario Andretti and see how special that meant. So I know when you were on the podium winning – I saw your dad looking over at you like, yeah, that's my son. And she even posted about it on her Instagram. Like, yeah, I'm racing with my son, Bert, and he's kicking ass. And and then uh, she also used to come to the stadium super truck races too, which yeah. was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the coolest moments of my life, um, again, after Octane Academy, and we had picked up, you know, Gladiator Tires as a sponsor yeah. who before that had wanted us to drive for a, uh, Ford G auto tire line, um, in the Lamborghini super trophy series. So this was the first time that I had ever got to drive in front of my father. Um, Jesus, I was probably 37 years old. And the last time I had driven in front of my father, I was probably nine. So the first time, first time was in super trofeo or yeah. SST. Oh, okay. Super trofeo. And, uh, um, you did pretty good uh, in that series. I heard. Yeah. Uh, I unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know if this thing shows up here on the the scar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Jesus, wrong way. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Not so much, but you can. Yeah, I can see. It. We could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I kind of screwed up that year, but I'll never forget my first test session. My dad just in disbelief. Of course, my dad went first. Um, in case I wrecked the car, and then <laughs> my dad gets out of the car after God about an hour on these tires, and um, then I go out and. I think I handed my dad his or her ass by like four seconds or something. Yeah. A lap. And my dad is just in disbelief and looking around, not going, what the hell just happened? You know? And he turns to my brother and goes, that's Scott Pruitt fast. Yeah. And just the, the silence, like he or she just could not believe it. And your dad actually your no, dad it was not Scott me- Pruitt fast, but it was fast. It was close and it was fast enough that my dad knew that <clears throat> I was in a different category, and it was something that um, no matter how hard she tried, she just wasn't going to be able to touch that lap time. And at so, any at an EXR race, your dad actually said it was like we were just shooting the shit, and she told me that story. Whereas, like, yeah, I realized, like, oh my goodness, my son's just as fast as Scott Pruitt, and literally, <laughs> I think she said you were like within a half a second of him, and right. she's like. And like just crushing, but then obviously because of her ego, she was like, "Well, if I was younger, I'd be right there with both of them." <laughs> <laughs> like you know, he's got some. You know, my son's younger, and uh, yeah, that's what makes my dad a champion. My dad does not accept that defeat well, and well, um, he deservedly so. Like that's a that's a person that has backed up everything that she has said. Like she was at one point the greatest athlete in the world like that's not even you can't even say arguably you know um yeah and there are some personality <clears throat> traits that yeah, i think that go with unfortunately that. come along with being the best at that level but um there's no denying my dad's connect competitive spirit so 
Um, and you get you believe me, you have that because I mean I've seen you, and we'll get into that later. Uh, some stadium super truck races. You know where I'm going with this? Where yeah. You know, I, it's actually funny. And one time CBS Sports was interviewing you and he's like, yeah, once I put that helmet on, you know, I could win the race or I can lose the race. I still want to kick everyone's ass. Like, and you meant like out of the truck physically, like you're, you want to, like, it takes about 15 minutes to a half hour to calm down before you don't want to like, just. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, I mean, I would say, I don't know, 15 <laughs> minutes, a half hour, but there is a true legitimate two minute period where yeah. I. Every time I get out of the car, even if I've won, even if you even won, if I've passed the poor bastard, I still want to get out of the car, go back and just start swinging on him. I don't know why it just feels. Um, That's if they I'm, did you wrong. If they it was like a clean race. So I remember I was I was there. I watched it. I had a, a great I was behind you guys. And uh, your first ever SST race that you won was uh, I forget the year 15 or 16 it might have been. And it was at the the 15 at the uh, St. Pete Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, Florida. And uh, you absolutely dominated the race from like start to finish. And Sheldon Creed and EJ Visa were battling right behind you. And they were close, but they could never get a run on you because they were fighting with each other. And I was like, man, if that was actually Burt fighting like that Bert would want to kill one of them because <laughs> both of them like one would do one dirty one do the other dirty and I'm watching the whole thing I'm like man I said they're just letting Bert get away now they're not letting you you're just getting away because you took advantage of that situation to where it's like well if they're doing that I'm just gonna race clean lines and and you literally walked away with that race like I, I was like, man, Bert, he'll take that win, but I think Bert would have probably liked the race where he beat the guy at the line by like one thousandth of one second, right? But you, you like, you probably were like, don't fuck up this last hairpin. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, you know, I give Sheldon some credit uh, for handling it as well as he does. Him and uh, EJ had some great battles. I definitely would not have been able to. Uh, keep my composure the way Sheldon did and yeah. leave it. I mean, uh, so you think it was, sh see, I think that, I think it was the equal thing. I think it was a racing incident. I think, you know, EJ was giving it back. And I know, you know, in Las Vegas, you and EJ, there's a video out there somewhere. I think SST should post that. <laughs> I, I was always surprised that they didn't, you know, that was right after the big NASCAR fight. And that was probably the best thing to ever happen to NASCAR oh, uh, yeah. to bring excitement back um and you i got, thought for yeah, sure being yeah. the showman that he is would definitely post that uh video but i guess thankfully now that i'm a father and um oh i think they're gonna post it i really think the marketing <laughs> team, i think in future like the one the, the hey look at this in the past and because here's the thing what people don't understand like in stadium super trucks we're taking a vehicle and we're launching it in the air for 20 30 feet in the air for sometimes 200, 300 feet in distance. It's like everything you're told not to do in a race car, you're doing yeah. in a stadium yeah. super truck. And it's between, I like to say it's uncontrolled chaos, but it's it's part boxing match, part racing, because like we're taking an absolute thrashing, a beating in that truck. Like after the next day, we have to race again, and we're sore. And, you know, we need massages and chiropractic and electric stim. Like, we're doing everything to get ready for the next fight, as you know. And uh, it takes a special 
nut job to jump in a truck and, and do that. And, um, you were one of the best at it and still are. And I, I think if, uh, you know, you had time and you were doing daddy duties and husband duties and West LA dog duties, you know, if you got into the next race, you'd probably be on the podium or competing for a win because you don't lose that. Yeah. It's been hard to watch you guys have fun and uh, sit on the sidelines and, and commentate. It's like my dirty little pleasure. You know, it drives Valerie nuts when she sees me watch the videos because she knows where my mind is going. Um, Armchair quarterbacking, right? Yeah. yeah. And she just knows like once I watch a video, then I'm going to want to call Robbie and, and go back down that wormhole. Um, and so she just goes, don't do it. Don't do it. And, she, and then I get mad at her because she's being negative for no reason about me just watching a racing video. Um, so it's my guilty pleasure late at night, you know, to, to fire up the latest SST race and, um, and watch it on YouTube or Facebook. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I still keep my finger crossed that someday you know, I originally I, I walked away because Bodie was two weeks away from being born and, you know, Matt Mingay got hurt. Badly and, hurt. Um, that was a tough day for us. I was, yeah, um, hard to describe. Uh, and the week before that, um, another extremely good friend named Andrew Palmer, uh, who had put Bentley on the first time uh, for the podium, I believe, since the 40s. Um, the next day in a doubleheader, lost his brakes going into turn one uh, in the World Challenge Series. Um, yeah, and so he's now in a wheelchair. Um, it was just hard to see that happen to two good friends back-to-back like that. And, uh, yeah, I was scared, man. Um, I just knew that my priority was to meet my son and to be a dad. And um, But now I'm in this weird position of – you know, even though my dad wasn't necessarily there for me on a day-to-day basis, my dad always did have that Superman personality. Like I still say to my kids, you know, he's Bodie will tell me like, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. I'm like, what? Use your Jenners. He calls them my Jenners because of my tattoo on my side. That's funny. But you know, I tell him like, dude, you're a Jenner. Like, no, you're not tired. Like get your ass up, you know? And so that was something that I can't lie was always part of my psyche. And um, that was the gift from my father. And so I want my kids to see me compete and, and see me win. And hopefully I'll just instill that in them that, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to win bad enough, you will. And so figure out whatever it's going to take to do it. So, well, you're too young to be officially retired from SST. So I definitely know and I even recently talking to Robbie that you, there's always a home for you in SST, even though you and Robbie sometimes argue. But uh, you know how Robbie can be. And Robbie's oh, yeah. passion. Robbie, even he's though he's the, driver just like the rest of us. Robbie's you know? like, as a as a competitor, I hate to see Bert in a race because he's going to give it back to me and he's not going to take anyone's shit, right? And And he's like, but as the series owner, he's good for the brand. He's good for the series. But – where he's bad for the series is that if somebody gives him shit, he's wrecking everyone. <laughs> no, look, that is Vizo and Vizo only. And, yeah, know. You know, but it's he. Yeah, so it's like we DJ gotta give too. the Vizo story its due credit. So, right. um, what the for what you know, if you're out there and you're listening, just let me preface this with my man. I love uh, you. And but here's I'm, the thing: 
we we actually had Paul Morris on. So he, Paul Morris is going is is was on the previous episode. So the Thrillcast uh, listeners heard a story about where him and EJ got into it, and uh, it was in Townsville, Australia, and EJ was complaining that Paul spun him, and Paul's like, "Well, EJ was doing me dirty the whole race." And he goes, the only two people that really know what happened in that race is me and EJ. Because if you looked at the cameras, it looked like Robbie was like, EJ, nobody touched you. And then, you know, Paul Morris, he had that little shitty grin on his face. Right. And, and sure literally, Paul, 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 <laughs> Paul was able to do it where it wasn't caught on any camera. And, right. and he's like, yeah, only me and EJ know what happened. Right. <laughs> so it's funny, like. I can talk to Sheldon. I could talk to Burt Jenner. I could talk to Ari Leyendijk. I could talk to Paul Morris. Everyone has a problem with EJ Vizo. So tell me your story. Uh, you know, and look, off the track, EJ. Uh, Amazing. I can't say I, I don't got a bad thing to say about the guy. I love mm-hmm. him more than anything. On the track, um, yeah, he was my villain. He was He was the guy that I just – you know, we put the helmets on and there's one car that I'm not going to give an inch to. It's that one. Cause he's so good. If you beat AG Vizo, you there's, yeah. you cannot take that away from him. Um, he will find every last 10th of, of a second of speed in whatever car he's put in. Um, that's undeniable. The problem that I always had was if, if you're that good, then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, as your job as a race car driver, it is your job to go out there and win. Yeah. And, but at what costs? And so the problem, the one problem we have in SST, for those that don't know, look, we're out there racing on all these tracks in incredibly, incredibly tough trucks. These trucks can take, so the race course is not defined by the race course. You can yeah. straight shot through the flower beds. You can jump curbs like you don't even understand you can skip corners if you wanted to. And, you know, EJ, I don't know if he was one of the first to figure this out. I assume he might have, Robbie might have been the first hey, to figure hey, it Robbie, out. Yeah. Robbie, yeah. EJ just figured, oh, I'm going to do it better. Well, Robbie yeah. did that that time in Long Beach where EJ was leading the race. And then he waited till like a lap to go. And then remember, Robbie cut that like turn five or six in Long right. Beach. Right, onto that almost back short story. I know exactly yeah. where he was. yeah. The first of the back two stretch and uh, I'm sure he did. And so, you know, that's, that's the challenge in SST is defining what is the racetrack. And so, um, you know, you've been in the driver's meetings, we we do our best to define it. And then someone comes out, clips a a cone or clips a barrel. And then all of a sudden that, that definition has been moved. Yeah. But what is it now? And it just was always like, it seemed like EJ was the first to take off the gloves and well, the cone moved. So therefore, you know, it got knocked over 10 feet that way. And so therefore that means I can go through the grass 10 feet. Or if a chicane got blown out, it was like the chicane wasn't right. there. I went it straight. straight through it. And yeah. so um, I totally get the gray area there. It just, it was always to me seemed to be EJ that was the first one doing it. And if I, there was anyone, everyone else might've been two tires, three tires in the grass. EJ would come by and take all four. All four and, and so, you with them, you know, <laughs> sometimes. Right. Um, and I guess the, we started off on the wrong foot because at Detroit, um, while leading my first race, I thought I was going to walk away with the, with the win. You were, uh, EJ big. went for a dive bomb from, I believe it was somewhere around like six cars back. Oh yeah. 
Uh, he couldn't hold on to it. He had blown everything. But I, not seeing him coming, had started to turn into the corner. He clips me, takes me out. I don't get the win. He, we had a good enough lead that he was able to bounce off me and continue on to the win. Yeah, he literally bounced off you. You basically, from hitting you, yeah, it, I took it, his, it made him break. And he bounced off you and took off. <laughs> right. And so without saying anything, I'm in the hauler all pissed off that that just happened. And he came into the hauler. And the first thing he said to me was, hey, man. And AJ, I know you remember this moment. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, you seen my trophy? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, senior what? He says, hey, man, you see my trophy? What the fuck did you say? Yeah. We're literally standing in the holler all by ourselves. And so just to be a dickhead, I. The fuck did you say to me? He's like, hey, hey, man, calm down. Like, take it easy, man. Just, <laughs> I, you know, there's no problems here. I say, hey, man, you fucking took me out. And the first thing you're going to come in here and say to me is, have you seen my fucking trophy? Hey man, calm down. You know, no, 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 no. that's not how this works, dude. Yeah. And so that just, you know, maybe I shouldn't have handled it the right way. Maybe he should have, you know, but that that's was how that, uh, that was that, that was that one upsmanships gamesmanship, you know, though. See, he was definitely trying to get under your skin to be like, Hey, see, and he came from like fifth place in that one corner. Like he literally, he dove bomb everybody Right. And then just you happen to be turning in. He was on the inside and he like punted you out of the way, use you as a, a stopper. Because if, if you weren't there, he was hitting those tires. He was in, right. Exactly. He was fucked. So, yeah. Um, just shit luck. And, you know, I'm not going to say I don't bang doors and I don't do all the good stuff. No, you, ra- you listen, you race very clean. And I've seen you race clean against PJ Jones and Ari Lyon, Dyke Jr. and and Sheldon and Robbie and. But thing is that uh, fucking BJ Baldwin, you know all these guys that were in there, and when, but when somebody does you dirty, you you're not gonna like sometimes shit early on in the early days in like 2014 and 2015. If somebody did me dirty, I just let them go. I wouldn't even get back at them. I was like, fuck it, you know what am I gonna do? I'm just gonna use this now. I'm taken out. I spun out. I'm just gonna use these. I'm now 30 seconds back because someone took me out. I'm just gonna use the rest of the race as a practice. Is what I. That was my mentality. Now, if somebody does me dirty, or I see, like being the older veteran, like in this past race in Adelaide, well, earlier in this year, this one. It's actually Sean Richardson. He he did Brock Feeney. Uh, was it Brock Feeney? I forget who it was. One of the drivers dirty. And I saw him like almost chop him. You know how you have to give someone room going off the jump side by side. Well, he pushed him off the ramp, so he almost like went off the ramp, but luckily he got around it. So down at turn nine in Adelaide, I went through the kink at eight and at nine, I just didn't stop. He turned in and I just went right into his back. <laughs> I went into his back tire, kind of like what EJ did with you. It bounced off him, popped his tire and went. And I was like, hey, if you're not going to respect the other drivers, I'm going to make you respect the other drivers. And he goes, got it, mate. You know, and that's how you've always been. You can't, you can't get start to get pushed around or, you know, it's a dog eat dog world. Then it's just going to happen more and more and more, you know? So, um, 
Yeah, EJ and I had our fun. Not as much fun as we had in Vegas. Vegas was... So I guess back to the Vegas story. Yeah, uh, I, had to, I had to get, just so everyone knows, I had to get three big, very big Samoan oh. uh, bodyguards to not beat up Bert, meaning just to tell Bert, like actually to save EJ from Bert. Yes. You know, and so I, I had no idea this was the case. And it just so happened I had brought House Beer there as a sponsor who had given me a bunch of beer to give away and everything. And yeah. I never forget. And I now in hindsight, I put it all together. But going up, you know, I'm trying to hand beers out. And so I walk up to these Samoans and I'm like, hey, you guys want a beer? You know? Yeah. And they looked at me like, <laughs> uh, you know, again, they knew that they were there for me. I had no idea that they're there for me. And I'm over here trying to offer them a beer. Yeah. But, you know, as far as EJ and I were concerned in that practice, in that SST world, just to give you an example, uh, there were three practice sessions. Yeah. There was actually only two for the drivers, but we had new drivers there. And because they were slower and we wanted to help them get up to, to speed and be competitive, we gave them an extra practice. session. Yeah. We gave them extra session. And, but the regular, the regulars in the series were not allowed to go out. And so, you know, I was of course keeping traps here and I'm going, you know, if there's watch visa is going to go out for all three practice sessions. I don't know how or why, but watch, he's going to go. And sure enough, here he comes out for the third practice session. And so before it had even, before he even went out, I was sitting there and freaked out and started, you know, telling Robbie, what the hell is he doing and all this other shit. And flipped him off and, you know, he flipped me off back. And so here we go. And so I, after that practice session, I went over there and I told him like, Hey man, you know, I knew you'd go out for all three practice sessions and he had probably a justified reason, but for some reason I knew there was going to be a justified reason and he was going to do it. And so I, I told him, Hey, look, I don't have a sponsor for next year. This is my last race. I have nothing to lose. And, um, if you touch me during this race, if you if you do me dirty, I am warning you right now. You like you're done, and I'm going to take it out on you after this race, like you don't even know. And so here comes the last lap. Yeah, that uh, we had. I uh, we were separated by Gavin Harlan. I believe it was Harlan. Gavin, yeah. And uh, EJ comes in and I guess tries to move him out of the way, which it was a tight track and he comes in and essentially can't control it and moves me out of the way. But somehow all of our bumpers got intertwined and were locked connected. So yeah. All the, three. Yeah. We couldn't make it over the jump and we're literally stuck in the infield. All of it us. It was the you know, worst place to have a wreck because like you're going up a jump. That's a massive jump that could have hurt somebody. Right. For sure. The over under. So that's, yeah. you know, you got imagine you got to jump, which literally jumps over the racetrack and we're not going to make it. No way. So we're all sitting there like a bunch of buffoons, you know, doing burnouts and reverse and forward and everything, trying to get ourselves unhooked. I finally get myself unhooked from Bezo. I back up like 15 yards. I realize like, no, they're coming around for the checkered right now. Like if I pull back out and I try and finish this lap, we're like racing for last, you know? And that was it. That was the end of, as far as I was concerned, my SST experience, my SST career, if you will. And, um, I told Vizo how this is going down. So rather than continue on with the racetrack, I just put that thing in drive and, and rammed him. And there's a Random. shot literally uh, with my front two tires up on his hood. Yeah. Uh, and I'm doing a burnout and I have, I'm giving him the, 
the you finger. know, the one finger salute. You're, you're, you're telling him who's number one. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so I sit on his hood for a few minutes and uh, doing the burnout. And then I finally back it up. And then the yelling and screaming and everything happened. And um, yeah, we pull into the pits and I'll never forget telling John, John's story is going, Bert, like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I said, John, don't worry. I don't I'm, care. Give you my word. I will not touch him. I literally said it was good for NASCAR. It's going to be good for SST. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I ran around over to Bezos' car, and sure enough, there were the Samoans guarding him. And uh, you guys had a pretty good business. You had a pretty good game plan going on. Uh, it, it, he was still strapped in. He had his yeah. big Samoans out the windows. He had his helmet on. Helmet on. He wasn't. Pay- he was just taking no way out. Can you get him? Yeah, he yeah. was. He was protected. And so. Um, yeah, I just kind of foamed at the mouth for a minute, and then that was the end of that. You guys so, calmed down, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, off the track, you guys can hang out and have fun. No, I mean, off know, the track, I love awesome. the guy. Yeah. And, and look, man, it's been years, and I try and envision what my SST experience would have been like without EJ, and it wouldn't have been the same. And I love the guy. He made it fun for me, and – um but the thing about all the times you, you know, struggles, man. It's like he was still a benefit to the series. Oh yeah. Um, well, he's one and, of the best. I mean, he's he's oh yeah won so many right. races. And think about when you win these races, you, you're you're beating the EJ Vizos, the Robbie Gordons, the Sheldon Creeds, you know, the Matt Brabhams, you know, the Paul Morris is like when you're racing, you know, the Matt Mingus of the world, you're beating very talented, talented people. You're not just beating slouches. Like, you know, no offense. When you were in Skip Barber winning races, I mean, come on. Like, who were they? You know? Michael Valiente. Well, I know. Brian Sellers. uh, These are all now factory drivers. Well, they are. But they're very good. But my point is, at that point, it's like, you know, you're going to get up against, like, say, a Paul Morris, who is the only driver ever to win all three categories at Bathurst. You're going against Robbie Gordon, who's a Baja IndyCar NASCAR legend. EJ Vizo Brabham, whose family is synonymous with racing. You know, like, no offense against those other guys. They're equally as good. But, like, they're in SST, the whole field is stacked, you know. And uh, it's funny when you said the racetrack isn't defined, like – so Sean Cermini, the the one announcer, he's like, "Oh, I see what they're doing here. They just now they're off in the glamis section. You know, like they name the different <laughs> sections. Like it could be an asphalt race, but we'll find a way to take it off roading somewhere. Yeah, it's it's uh it's um it's really it's it's fun. I mean, it's a great time. We're all like, hey, after the race, we're all brothers and sisters. Now you know, obviously, got some females driving, and they're equally as good." And uh, I don't think there's enough women in motorsports, but that's another topic for another day. Um, but tell us about that Octane Academy, you know? I really want to uh, – like, yeah, because that so, was pretty cool because on that one you beat a lot of good people. Yeah, that was um, – you know, sorry to jump back and forth between my timeline here, but, yeah, I okay. uh, ran out of uh, my simulator racing money slash business plan, et cetera, et cetera living in my car, started the dog business. But at this point, you know, I was just a, a glorified dog walker and uh, making good money, but doing that out of my house and literally hadn't seen the light of day, you know, working seven days a week. I think I was, you know, like six years in. And um, 
I would go to, or to uh, X Games every year and Ford kept having these commercials, you know, hey, we got this driver search, Octane Academy. If you think you can drive, show up and, um, and you could win the opportunity to win a new car and all this other stuff. And I always looked at that because my dad raced for Ford and I'm such a Ford junkie. That's all I own. Yeah, you That's are. I've ever. And um, that was just such a pipe dream. And so um, my plan was to enter in 2013. And so I'll never forget, I, I still have these pathetic videos. I must've made like 40 videos of me talking to myself to why I should be the next Octane Academy dork. And <laughs> never, I, you know, was never happy with any of these things and never sent my video in. And then all of a sudden one morning I sit in front of my computer and I fire up Facebook and one of my buddies is sitting in a line like a mile long or probably literally like a quarter mile long. And he's saying, you know, today's the day I'm going to try out for Octane Academy. And I went, oh my God, you never sent your videos in. And today's the day that you're supposed to be trying out. I called him up, told him, hey, is there any way you can hold the spot in line for me? And I said, yeah, I'll hold the spot right here. I literally hopped in my car and did 110 miles an hour out to Fontana Raceway. Wow. Jumped in line, uh, got there around 10, 10 in the morning, but these guys had all been there since seven in the morning. And then stood in the sun all day long and waited. And around just before five o'clock in the evening, <clears throat> guy comes out, there was about 50 of us left in line. They had gone through probably close to a thousand drivers. And um, they said, you know, sorry, five o'clock, the ambulance leaves and we have to shut down um, legally. And so I'm going, oh my God, you're going to get a t-shirt and, uh, and I'm sorry and a thank you. And... Um, I just a, couldn't believe and a, it. And a sunburn because your right. ass probably burnt. <laughs> yeah. And mind you, I haven't had breakfast yet because I haven't left this line. I've never, you know, I just hopped in the car and went. And um, yeah, with like seven minutes to go, they called my name. And I hopped in the car, of course, past the driver bit. And uh, then they sent me off to the drifting section. And, you know, you get to get in a Mustang and you have to do kind of figure eights around barrels. And I did it. And my buddy, who was also a formula car driver who held my place in line, uh, screwed up the first two tries around the barrels and then cursed. And once he cursed, I guess that was maybe a sign of aggression or frustration that, that wasn't allowed, meaning kind of like you lost your cool. Mm -hmm. And that was, they were just like, that's it. And now, was so, there someone in the car with you? Yeah. They always had a pro with you kind of getting ready to pull the e-brake and, you oh, know, right. yank your hand. And so I get out of the car and uh, having passed all the tests and I'm looking at the, the uh, producers and they're looking at me all googly eyed, but they don't say anything. And um, so, yeah, I went home and waited and uh, told myself, just drop it, completely forget it. And uh, a week later, I got a phone call from uh, one of their, you know, assistants and they said, you know, hey, they're considering you for the TV program. Um, you know, are you still interested? And I'm just going, God, yes. Again, just drop it. Don't even think about it. And yeah. A couple weeks later, they said, you know what? This is not official, but you're going to make it. You know, it looks like you're going to get picked. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I showed up. Tanner Faust, Brian Deegan, uh, Vaughn Gittin Jr. and Ken Block were the coaches. I got picked by Brian Deegan. Um, went through all the up one Brian Deegan's camp, which is what now you let me Let me let me stop you here for a second. So when you got okay. that, right, and you get there, okay, Obviously, the producers know who you are, and when I say who you are, they don't know. They I don't mean dog uh, Bert the 
guy that owns a dog place or this or that and the other thing, or they know it's like, oh, this is the son of, you know? Right. So I'm now sure they Google the last name. Now, now all of them and even your fellow competitors, do you think, you know, we'll get to the, the ending of what happened, but do you think they're like, oh, fuck, the only reason he's here is this is a new thing and and this guy could probably give us publicity. Meanwhile, you always shied away from that publicity. Like, obviously, there was a TV show your dad was on, but you never really were ever a part of that, like, you know, and, and never wanted to be. So there was a time where I was young enough and dumb enough where, you know, and broke enough living in my car where I just, you know, I would love to say I always didn't want to be a part of it. But in the very, very early age, you know, stages, you know, do I dare say it before they kind of created a bad name for themselves or whatever, but before the image was kind of solidified as, as what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I probably wanted to be a part of it. And were you on any episodes? Yeah, I was on a few. Um, I did you know, see one photo. Him. I did see one photo with you in it. I was like, oh my, I want to give shit to Bird on that one. I think you're all matching and like denim and shit. I was like, Bert probably wants to kill himself for that yeah. photo. Like, right? Do you know what you're oh, talking I, about? That's a family Christmas photo, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but you, that was all Chris is doing. Um, but you probably hated it. I We all hated it. Um, it's. <laughs> yeah. So there was a point where I was willing to be part of it and yeah. it was an option. Yeah. And then, um, you know, then, as things progressed and I had my own kind of identity and everything, that's yeah. where I realized like, no, I don't want to be part of that. And there's, there's no place for me in it. And I'm not going to sacrifice who I am or try and make myself into something else. Yeah. And, you know, for at that point, I had no idea what I would do with it, you know, other than just be another sucker on a TV show. Yeah. Um, they couldn't walk the streets and um yeah so octane academy i'm sure they all thought that you know hey they just got a kardashian on the show because you know the family is gonna tweet it out or instagram about it and it's gonna help with um the tv show and heck you know for what it's worth as far as the producers are concerned i'm sure they thought that was actually gonna happen yeah but um well, and, and your and your fellow competitors probably thought like, oh, this fucker ain't got talent. Like he's only here for that, and we're gonna kick his ass. But then, like, tell everyone what happened. <laughs> the alternative. Yeah, uh, the alternative was <laughs> I came out there and you know uh, I hopped in the first car to do the first session, and I'm sure that you know they wouldn't tell you times, they wouldn't tell you anything like that. But um, the first you know, judge of speed was like a road racing, um, kind of setup on asphalt and everything. And, um, yeah, I'm sure I had that top spot by, a, by a, a good margin. And, um, I'm sure that that confused some people. And, um, Brian Deegan was smart, you know, and just said, Oh, that's it. I just, you know, I don't even care what his last name is. That's just a bonus at this point. But, you know, I got picked by Brian Deegan and, and you could tell that Vaughn getting junior for whatever reason took the name way too serious. And he didn't like me from the get go. And <clears throat> I, you know, heard a few comments of disapproval and um, he was frustrated probably by my speed, but um, yeah. Uh, after getting picked by Brian and went through uh, the camp with Brian Deegan, it was, um, 
probably not something I'm going to talk about or supposed to talk about, but yeah, he was supposed to be the coach. And after I had won his camp, you know, you had the opportunity to essentially drive any Ford car you wanted in any type of setting that you wanted to try and train for the finale. And because in the finale, they were going to have you compete in road racing, uh, drifting, uh, off-road and a rally car race. And so whichever one or two types of driving that you thought you needed the most work on, you could, you could, you could basically work on it. So I said, I want a Mustang and I want to learn how to drift. It was one thing, got all the racing experience in the world, but no drifting experience. And we showed up in this parking lot and Brian is supposed to be my coach for drifting. And yeah. he had brought in a guy named Dai Yoshihara, who is, you know, a big uh, Japanese drifter. Oh yeah. He was supposed to be the coach. And about three or four minutes after me showing up, the producers walk over with the attorneys and say, Hey, sorry, you know, Vaughn Gittin Jr. called. And um, he's complaining about the fact that we brought in a pro to teach you. And that's not in the rules and not fair. It has to be Brian Deegan teaching. Sorry, die, but you have to leave. And um, what a and shithead. So and so Brian was left having to be the coach. Well, it was very clear within a few seconds that. I could outdrift him, you know, instantly. And I was literally spent the few minutes trying to coach Brian Deegan how to drift, even though I had no experience. And uh, then I realized I should just shut my mouth because this is ruining TV and, um, and proceeded to try and teach myself how to drift. Anyway, I, in the final episode, um, I won the road, the road racing came up first. I won that um, challenge. Uh, that was followed by off-road and then I won that challenge. Of course. So with, with two, um, two challenges left, they, we went into drifting. And so the downside was, is, you know, I arguably won drifting. I'm not going to, you know, how, that's the one frustrating thing also about drifting is this, there's no time. It's, it's all a judged. It's yeah. It's, it's I call it the synchronized swimming of racing. Drifting, right. you know. So as far as points were concerned, if I won drifting, uh, it would have ruined the TV show and it never would have gone to the fourth episode. And so I Brian even said to me beforehand, Hey, look, man, they're not gonna let you win this. So just get your ego in check and get ready to get shot down here, even if you win. What I didn't expect was them to give me last. And um, you know, again, to make good TV, this this made us tied going into the finale. A uh, good friend of well, mine, Jonathan Aaron and I went at it in rally cars and uh, it came down to tenths of a second uh, both times. And, um, but I did get lucky and I walked away with the win and um, $50,000 in cash, $50,000 credit at a Ford dealership. Yeah. Um, I showed up with the trailer and uh, got a brand new Ford Explorer, told the guys leave the cellophane on the stereo, leave the floor, the paper floor mats in the bottom of the car. I'm selling this thing. And um, I want, people to know it's a brand new car listed it on Craigslist and uh, got $35,000 for a car that was worth 50. And I had put, you know, a 10th of a mile, basically getting this thing off the dealership lot, put it in a garage and took all that money and started West LA dogs. So you sold, so you got 50 cash and then you got another basically uh, 50,000 credit for a new car, but you immediately flipped that new car you won to get the cash. And then you started West LA dogs because Prior to West LA Dogs, you you basically were walking dogs, taking care of dogs out of your house, and you right. remember you told me you had like 
I mean, statue limitations are gone now, so you can tell people, <laughs> like, you had, like, dog cages everywhere, stacked high, like. Uh, you know, this is always a struggle of how honest am I, but, yeah, I was. You're always honest. Uh, I was doing it um, <clears throat> illegally a mile and a half from Beverly Hills out of a house in a residential neighborhood. And one Christmas, I had 73 dogs in a two-bedroom house, which was cut in half in the 30s to widen Olympic Boulevard. To say the least, it was a tiny spot. And um, yeah, yeah, uh, I had been, you know, contacted by animal control and they had showed up. They were so impressed that they didn't shut me down. Um, but I knew this was a ticking time bomb. And then to top it all off, this was it was a grow house, a marijuana grow house for um uh, a buddy of mine and so to say the least this wasn't a place that was going to last long uh and not a place to start a business um and so i wanted out of there and i knew this was my one opportunity to jump and go legit yeah and so um i took all that money and gambled it i had a three-month business plan um yeah at, at that point i had never owned a new car and so and I tell people all the time, both the rear view mirrors on my car were not even duct taped on. It was just packing tape. Um, the glove box wouldn't stay closed. It would bang against your knees if you were in the passenger seat. The trunk wouldn't close. And uh, it was coming up on 200,000 miles. So for me to uh, walk in there with a brand new car, which I had just won essentially with my dream and my passion. Yeah. And to sell it, that wasn't easy. And to gamble everything that I had ever kind of acquired on this idea was not fun. And uh, I would wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and uh, walk into this dog facility, this big yard. And I had a, there was no showers, so I had a little camping shower that I put in a little five-gallon bucket, sit under a, a ladder that I would you know, kind of hang the little shower head over, this little A-frame. And I would sit on this other five gallon bucket and just let the water drip over me and just try not to throw up. And, um, that lasted months. And somehow literally my prediction, um, right around the, the week I was going to go under, we went from the red to the black and, uh, yeah, now we've got 25 employees and payroll is, you know, almost 150 grand a month and, uh, getting ready to start our second facility. And, um, yeah, it's just wild to think that if I wasn't able to gamble that 85 grand, um, stupidly, like only a race car driver would, <laughs> yep. um, I wouldn't be here today doing, doing what I am. Yeah. But you're a Jenner and, and you're Burt Jenner, uh, and you, you know, are your own person. And to me, like one of the nicest guys, I mean, one, you could be one of the meanest guys, but you're one of the nicest guys I know. <laughs> And when you call someone a friend, that that has some impact to it. And like I said, on the racetrack, you and EJ Vizo can be enemies. But I, I guarantee it, if EJ Vizo, Paul Morris, Ari Leindijk, any of your brothers called you up tomorrow and said, I need to help, you're going to be there for them, you know, and and with as much as you can give. And you, you're literally the type of friend that would give the shirt off your back to your friend even if it meant you were to be homeless again, you know, that that's now, obviously you'd like to figure out a plan to do the opposite. Like, Hey, let's figure out how we're not homeless. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, look, and here's the weird part of me, man. Um, 
uh, you know, I've got hundreds of acres now up in Tahoe and mm-hmm. rental properties. And um, I just started an RV company. Nice. Um, and man, that old Bronco and my dog, Ernie, it, not that I don't love my boys and Valerie and everything, but man, there's something about that life, which I still have to admit um, I enjoyed and I miss. It was the that simplistic. simplistic lifestyle, right? Yeah. Um, Minimal. Do they call it minimalist now, guys? I think they call it that. The minimalist. I think so, yeah. That's yeah. a word you could use. Yeah. Do you yeah, ever and- mess? Do you ever mess with cats? Do you have cats that you ever <laughs> No. Okay. Steven's a big cat guy, but I, me, I'm me allergic and- to dogs. I'm allergic. That's my reaction. That's. I'm a very big dog lover, so yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Bert. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about that life which is pretty simple and. Um, you know, dreams and goals are, I think, kind of invaluable to someone's psyche. So, um, you know, as you get older and accomplish more things, it's like, well, what's next? You know, it's the, I feel like the downside of the human psyche is here. There's always got to be the next thing. And as you accomplish more, you run out of those next things. Yeah. I guess for me now, it's just seems to be aviation. You know, I want to get really. Yeah. All right. So do you have that love from your father? Because, yeah. A lot of people don't know this, that your father is also a very accomplished pilot. Uh, very accomplished would kind of be an understatement. Um, yeah. I think uh, my dad, you know, you have to be a hardcore junkie well, to be able to respect this we, number. Well, but. we don't We don't want to keep feeding her ego. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But, yeah, your dad, when she does something, she kicks ass at it. So Yeah, obsesses, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, she went down the RC helicopter obsession for a while, golf, uh, but aviation has always been a love of my father's. So yeah. um, it's kind of the old man's race car, I guess, you know. Just so do you there. do you practice on her plane or no? Not the current one. Yeah. little complex. It's a twin engine stuff. It's just not safe for someone who's not proficient to be flying, I guess. Oh, so you're not as good as your father in that yet. I'm not okay. as experienced. <laughs> Smart answer. <laughs> Smart answer. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So so uh, do, do you have a pilot's license or you're training to get one? I'm uh, 20 hours into my 40. Um, every time I get, you know, get my hours, start to get built up, it seems like something, life throws me a curveball and I have to go, er! and and go back and do other things like I am now, so. Just trying okay. to keep the business alive. Good old yeah. COVID. Oh, COVID must have just destroyed a lot of small businesses. So how are you doing with that? Are you, you you're hanging in there? And We, so unfortunately for me, about a month before COVID hit, I decided to expand uh, into my second location. So um, yes, the original location is doing great. The second location, I'm just sitting paying rent on and it just sits completely empty. Empty, yeah. So um that's a challenge, but you know, business seems to be coming back quick. Trying to keep my fingers crossed here. There's no second shutdown or anything like that. And um, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, people, is that second location close by to the first location in West Hollywood or well, 300 yards away? So, okay. 
Was that your idea to like the big dogs over here and the small dogs yeah. over here? Okay, yeah. yeah. So I just wanted it. Right now, it seems like the little dogs feel like they're second class citizens. So yeah, um, I wanted the little dogs to have their own spot where you know they get to be the kings. And you know, little dog owners, some of them are nervous. They don't like nervous. being around dogs or whatever it is. You know, so this gives them the opportunity. Hey, it's nothing to worry about. You got yeah. your own spot. Yeah, your little your poodle's not going to be next to a pit bull or whatever. Yeah, right something like that but well that's that's a great idea but anyone in that area obviously they love their dogs and they'll spend anything like i just had my one bulldog had uh wanted its acl went that was a five thousand dollar surgery and then it had a uh uh, what's a prolapse urethra so whatever was coming out of its penis had that that was another three thousand five hundred dollar surgery as a man i'm like ah you know, oh. my daughters are like, big deal. I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> like, you know, like, so we, uh, the point is we love our dogs. And, you know, I, I think that if anyone's out there in that West Hollywood area, man, your place is like your your dog will be taken care of better at Burt's at West uh, L.A. dogs better than you'll take care of your dogs. Believe me. You yeah, know? it was always a fairly simple business plan. And um <clears throat> I probably should admit admit this to the owners, but it was always just, I want your dog to like me more than it likes you. Yeah. <laughs> and they do. And yeah, they do. Just, yeah. And so that was one of those weird deals where, you know, originally when I was doing this out of my house, there's no garage. Obviously the garage was full of other things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so my dirt bikes and mountain bikes and everything would be sitting in the living room and they would come in just, what the hell is this guy? But my dog loves him. You know, like, yeah. I don't understand. He's crazy, but my dog loves him. Yeah. And that's all that matters, you know, at the end of the day is, is that relationship with the dog. So yeah. it's easy for me uh, and rewarding for me. So um, yeah, I'm a true dog weirdo. Well, this could be a 10-part episode because you have some great stories and so do I. But, you know, thank you for coming on here and telling your story and getting people. And, uh, you know, surprisingly, the Thrillcast has been doing pretty well, um, which just allows us to keep doing this. But having uh, awesome guests on like you that, you know, are interesting. You know, everything you're doing is interesting from the way you lived your life to how, you know, listen, yeah, you have a famous father and, 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 you know, wealthy parents. And, but you were like, you know, I'm Burt Jenner, I'm me. And, you know, I'm not going to one, they're not offering help, but I'm not going to take it even if they did. And I'm going to figure it out because everything Burt Jenner owns is because of Burt Jenner and his wife and your two beautiful, beautiful children. And, uh, and that's, I believe your why. You know, and, uh, you know, probably one of the nicest guys I know and with the biggest heart. So, Bert, I appreciate you coming on to this show and uh, supporting me in in this new endeavor. Well, you know, I love you, my man. And uh, it was, like I said, about 30 minutes before this, I just got all excited. And to the rest of my SSD family, if you're out there, I miss you and I love you guys, too. And um, have some good time. Well, I hope this lived up to your excitement in SST, and uh, hopefully I can get out there soon to uh, round two for Wave Runner fun. We'll go to (laughs) Catalina Island this time. Let's do it, my man. Tell Caitlin we're going to use her Wave Runner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're not supposed to tell that. Yeah, Yeah, I know. No, my dad doesn't care. That's what they're there for. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bert. And everyone, be good. Boom.
Hey, hey, thanks for tuning into this podcast. You know, it's a, it's a thing that uh, I wanted to do for a while. At first, I actually didn't want to do it for a while, but then a couple of people wanted me to do a reality show. A couple of people wanted me to do, you know, a different podcast. But they always they wanted to take creative control. They want to tell me what to say, and you know that's not going to happen with Bill Hines. So, you know, I want you guys to basically come back to me. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you know if you have questions. Or if you want me to give you any advice, certain real estate topics, certain business topics, and, uh, you know, I'm more than happy to do that. And uh, it's free. But, uh, you know, if something blows up, don't sue me if it's the wrong advice. So disclaimer. Yeah, anything you want to hear, if it's for racing, if it's any other sports, you know, open to all those questions. Yeah, so just come back to us. Let us know what type of uh, things you want to hear and talk about. And uh, we make a list and, you know, every week we can, you know, give you what you want to hear. And that's what we're here for. We're here for people that want to listen. And uh, all right, guys, that's a wrap on this show. And, uh, you know, just want to thank everyone for tuning in. As I like to say, be good. Boom.